Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Whether you're watching by YouTube or you're listening on uh, one of the, the apps on your iPhone or your Android, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast. Thank you for sharing the Grind It Podcast because when you share the Grind It Podcast, hey, a lot of people, let's just be honest, a lot of people are nervous when it comes to sharing their faith, when it comes to talking about Jesus. But when you share the Grind It Podcast with a friend or a family member or a coworker or somebody that you know, you are sharing Jesus with them because when they listen to this podcast, they are going to get biblical teaching. And right now we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, and it's all about Jesus. We've covered the book of John. We've covered the book of Luke that all talks about Jesus and his teaching. So you're, when you share this Grinded podcast with people, you are sharing Jesus and giving them the opportunity to know Jesus. So with that, I say thank you and God bless you for uh, listening to the Grinded Podcast and sharing the Grinded Podcast. Um, Today we're going to finish Matthew chapter 7. We're getting close to the end of what is called or what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has this crowd gathering on the mountainside and he's teaching his disciples on how to live a godly life. Um, He has gone around just recently and he has handpicked these men to be his close followers so that he can pour himself into them over the next three years because what they don't know and what they don't realize is, hey, they're going to be taking over because in in about three years, Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to die on a cross. He's going to be buried in a tomb for three days and he's going to come out of that tomb victorious. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to come back to life. It's going to just freak these people out. And they're just going to be filled with amazement. And 40 days later, he's going to send back to the Father. And then 10 days after that, they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they, these men, are going to, uh, minus Judas, because Judas goes out and hangs himself after betraying Jesus. And Matthias takes his place in Acts chapter 1. But these men, these these people that Jesus has handpicked, are going to be taking over the kingdom. And they are going to be responsible for growing God's kingdom. And we know here we are 2,000 years later, the kingdom is still going. They are still teaching people by the words that they have written in this book, in God's word. And we'll come back to this, the Bible, because this is what Jesus is all about in the Sermon on the Mount. This book, this the word of God, it is so, so crucial in our lives, and especially in our spiritual lives. It, it, we have to have it. We have to be in it. But Jesus has told his disciples, he has told this crowd that has gathered around on the mountainside that their righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees and these other religious leaders and he's explaining to them how they can do just that. And and so in chapter 7, he continues in verse 15 through 20 to say this. He says, beware, beware. In other, in other words, pay attention here because I'm fixing to tell you something that can that's very dangerous to your spiritual walk. To, to your uh, your righteousness exceeding that of the Pharisees, to, to um, the teachings that you listen to in the coming days. He says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are, are, they are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. 
Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. It sounds easy, doesn't it? But it's not. It's not that easy. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit, Jesus says. So every tree that produces or every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions, and that is key. Because he says, beware of these false prophets. They, they, they look like sheep, and that's what we are. We are sheep. If we're washing the blood of Jesus Christ, we are sheep. And if we are not washing the blood of Jesus Christ, we're goats. And at the end, and when, when Judgment Day comes, Jesus talks about this at the end of Matthew. We'll get, eventually get there. But he talks about separating the sheep from the goats. The sheep are welcomed into heaven, and the goats are cast into uh, the eternal fire, just like these, these bad trees that, that, that do not produce good fruit. They're, they're, they're chopped down, and they're thrown into the fire. But this is interesting about what Jesus says here about these false prophets because God has been silent for over 400 years at the time that Jesus was born. And remember, the angels come and they announce his birth to uh, Mary and to the shepherds. Uh, and then eventually they visit Joseph and tell Joseph what was going on. But God had been silent for over 400 years up until this point. And there were prophets who spoke long ago Throughout the Old Testament, and, and, and they, they prophesied about the Messiah coming. There's over 300 prophecies throughout the Old Testament about the Messiah, about Jesus. But these prophets, they, they, they would warn um, the Jewish people to repent of their wicked ways or else there's going to be a price that they're going to pay. And, and they didn't heed the warnings. Uh, uh, when, when they kept rejecting the message of the prophets, God allowed uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army to come in and destroy the temple, destroy the very thing that they cherished, where God would show up and they could worship God and they would offer their sacrifices to God. Well, these people were killed. They're, they're men, women, and children were wiped off the face of the earth and those who were kept alive were uh, carried back into Babylon, into captivity, where they would be for over 70 years until Nehemiah got to go back and build the walls and Ezra, um, the priest, built uh, the foundation of the temple and it was rebuilt and they got to worship God again, and they got to um, um, restore their worship and restore their city and go back and, and, and live. But over 400 years, there was silence from God. And, and, and so these people had uh, these prophets who would teach them who, about God, who would warn them about their, their wicked ways and... and um, they, 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 didn't lead, they didn't listen. They didn't heed the warnings. And since God had been silent for these 400 years, really wasn't any need for prophets since Jesus arrived, just like the true prophets of God had said that would happen hundreds of years later, the Messiah is coming. This is how he's going to come. And they give all these details. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. So why would Jesus then warn the people about false prophets. I'll give you my take on that. There were people, even in Jesus' day, who claimed to be a prophet from God. 
And they were leading people astray. They were leading people away from God instead of leading people to God. And when the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, uh, Jesus, uh, when, when, they were, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and they, they were preaching Jesus, uh, they were working miracles at the temple and other places, but mainly at the temple. And they would, they would be arrested time and time again at the temple. And they would be told not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And then it, it became, uh, they, they would get arrested and they would, they would be beaten. Uh, and so the persecution started. And the persecution got so bad until uh, James was beheaded, I believe, was in Acts chapter 8, maybe Acts chapter 12. I know Stephen was stoned, I believe, in Acts chapter 8. And Saul wreaked havoc or persecution on the church but the apostles would go to the temple because there was an audience there and they would tell people about jesus and then they would work how he died on the cross and how he was uh buried in a tomb and how he was resurrected on the third day and then they would work miracles uh to back up their story their claim about the gospel about jesus and how these jews looked at jesus as a blasphemer they would not even uh, announce or pronounce the name of Jesus from their mouth, and 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 so G, the, the apostles would preach and teach in the name of Jesus. They would work these miracles to back up their teaching, and the people would be convicted. And they're like, "What do we got to do? We want to be saved," and and then they would tell them how to, how to be saved. And so this would happen over and over again, and they would get arrested, and they would go back to the temple, and they would be arrested again. Well, in one point, in Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 40, they were arrested and they were brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the the, the high council, like a court system uh, of powerful, wealthy men. And and here's what uh, happens in Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 40. It says, when they heard this, the high council was furious and they decided to kill them. They, They wanted to kill Peter and John right there on the spot. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while because they wanted to talk to the council. They wanted to kill Peter and John for continuing to teach in the name of Jesus and to do these miracles. But Gamaliel stands up and he wants to talk to to the council for a little bit. And he says to his colleagues, he says, Men of Israel, take care of what you're planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow Thutius, who pretended to be some someone great. And about 400 others joined him, but he was killed, and all his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. You see what, what's going on here? Thaddeus, or Thutis, however you say his name, um, he had a following, and that guy was killed, and his following just dissipated. Hey, this Jesus, he's got a following, but you know what? We killed Jesus. We got rid of Jesus. And, and, and so just give us some time, and, and this fall, it'll die down. It'll go away, just like it did with Thutis. And he even gives another example. He, he, he said, um, after him at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee, and he got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered. Hey, and what happened to Jesus? Hey, Jesus was killed. We crucified Jesus. It, it, it'll go away. And so he's, he says in verse 38, So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. And if, if they're planning and doing these things by merely their own, it'll soon be overthrown. Hey, somebody will kill them and it'll die. And, and people do kill them, but it, it didn't die. It's still going on today. And that's what Gamaliel says. But if it is from God, you're not going to be able to overthrow them. 
You may even find yourselves fighting against God. Well, they were doing that when God was walking the earth in a fleshly body, and his name was Jesus. They were fighting against God. So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. And these things uh, are merely on their own. It'll be overthrown, but it is from God. You can't do anything about it. You'll find yourself fighting against God. So they, they, they accepted his advice, and they called in the apostles, and they flogged them. Then they ordered them to never to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. But guess what? They did speak in the name of Jesus. But my point is that Gamaliel was correct. He points out the fact that there were false teachers that arose who claimed to be God, and they got a following. But at some point, you know, hey, we're going to rise up, and we're going to defeat these Roman oppressors, right? But they were killed, and... Rome was still in charge. And see, that, that, that's the idea that, that the Jews had of the Messiah. This Messiah is going to come and he's going to be this great leader and he's going to sit on the throne of David and he's going to deliver us from this Roman oppression. And that's why the disciples and the Jews, they had a hard time accepting Jesus because he didn't fit what they perceived the Messiah was going to be. He wasn't born into royalty, even though he was. He was born in the lineage of David. He didn't sit on a literal throne on the earth and rule and reign over Jerusalem and lead the, the, the Jewish people back into a, a, a status of power. He didn't deliver them from the Roman oppression that they were in because his kingdom was not of this world. It, 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 it's in heaven. It's, it's beyond what we can see. But they were looking for this mighty warrior who was going to deliver them from the Romans. And, and Jesus wasn't like that. He was an ordinary dude. And he, he just looked ordinary. And he was born in a manger, not, you know, not in royalty. They, you know, he was born with, amongst a bunch of animals and not a bunch of people uh, dressed in royal clothes and, and, and of high power and of high status. He was born of a virgin and a carpenter. He, you know, people, it was just ordinary. It just, you know, he was from Nazareth, you know, and, and Philip said, what, what good thing can come from Nazareth? Well, Jesus came from Nazareth. So they had, they had this false impression of who the Messiah was going to be. And so these people would rise up and say, hey, I am the Messiah. I'm going to deliver them from uh, the people from the, the, this Roman oppression. And they would be killed and it would fizzle out. And that's what Gamaliel was saying here. He said, you got these people who have done this and tried this and it didn't work. And it fizzled out. And if this is from God... You, you can't stop it. But if it's not from God, hey, these people will be killed and it'll fizzle out. But guess what? Here we are 2,000 years later and it's still going on. It, it hasn't fizzled out and it's not going to fizzle out. No matter who gets killed, there's always going to be uh, the Holy Spirit living in someone and someone or somebody will be preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus and sharing the Word of God with others. Hallelujah. Amen. But at some point, a false prophet like Gamaliel said, they're going to show their true colors. The truth will come out. Their true intentions will show. Their identity will be revealed. And their following, it's going to fizzle out. And people will just wonder, how was I easily duped into believing this lie, this false prophet, his false teachings? And this still goes on today, by the way. So what is a false prophet? Why would Jesus warn about a false prophet or false prophets that will be coming? And, and what are they? Who are they? Well, a false prophet, in a quick glance, 
they looked apart, right? And in just passing, they sound apart. But once you start to really uh, look into their lives and, and hear their teachings, things don't line up. They, they begin to fall apart. And, it, and, it, and here's the key. You have to be knowledgeable in God's Word. Because if, if you are knowledgeable in God's Word, when you hear a false teaching from a false prophet or a false teacher, something will just automatically just pop out that they said, that they're teaching, or that they did. And you say, hey, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And, and all of a sudden, you start seeing things and hearing things, and it just does not line up with God's Word. But, and, and, and so they begin to fall apart quickly. But the key is we got to be knowledgeable in the Word of God. I, I compare uh, these false prophets to, to like emails, these fake emails and these fake profiles that, that we get in our inboxes or on social media today. Um, you know, people get hacked all the time on, on social media and these, and they get duped into giving a lot of money through these false emails because it, it, at first glance, they, they look real. They look, they look, their websites or, or their, their emails or their, their, their social media profiles, they, they look real and they deceive a lot of people because of the likeness uh, that they have to a real website. I mean, I had one that was uh, sent to me through an email asking, it was saying that my Amazon payment didn't go through and, and, and it had the Amazon heading. It looked as real as it could be. But once I started getting into the email, I saw uh, misspelled words. I saw spacings that weren't correct. There were, there were all these little details. But at first glance, it looked real. And if I didn't know any better, if I didn't catch it, well, I would enter in my bank information, give them my bank card. Hey, they can wipe my savings clean. They can wipe my uh, bank account clean. And I would be left with nothing and wouldn't have any way to fight against it. I, I, I would lose everything, all the money that I, that I had. And I wouldn't be able to pay my own bills. I, I would, we call them scammers. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I've got friends that have been scammed. I, I've been scammed myself. I was scammed by a website that I was going to buy some earbuds for my iPhone. And I wanted to save a little bit of money, 15 to $20. So I went to a different website instead of staying with Amazon that I have Amazon Prime and, and, and or Walmart. Uh, that I know are two trusted sites that I would get what I paid for, right? But I, I, I wanted to save 15 to $20, and I clicked on this website, and it looked legit. And it looked so legit that when I realized I was scammed out of $85, I, I took it to my bank and, and said, this is what's going on. And I did get my $85 back eventually, but it took a long time. But even my bank, when they did their investigation into this website, because I investigated it myself before I made the purchase, and it looked legit. I mean, I looked everywhere I could on that website for, for something false, and and, and it was a, a some kind of warehouse thing, and and my bank looked into it. They investigated it, and they thought it was legit. But you know what? It was a scam, and I was to save fifteen dollars, I lost eighty five dollars. Um, but these these false websites, the, these scammers, they're they're very clever. And they know how to scam you and they know how to get what they want very easily. And that's your money. And so these prophets that Jesus is referring to, even back then, he's basically basically saying, watch out for the scammers. 
They, they, they were scammers way back then. They, they, they were after the people. They wanted the people to follow them for personal gain, not godly gain. They wanted people's attention because it gave them power. And then they would want the people's money because it made them rich. Look how many followers I have. Listen to my message, but their message, it was deceiving. It had just enough truth in it to get your attention. And if you didn't know any better, you would be hooked. And you'll be following a false prophet, listening to their false teaching, being led astray, being led away from God. And you're following this false prophet and his teaching, and they're taking everything that you have. They're, well, they say they, take, they are taking you to the bank. They're taking you to the cleaners. Before you know it, they own everything you have. You've given them all of your money, and you're left with nothing. And it's amazing that how many people fall for these, pro these false prophets back then and even in today's time. You know, just two that came to the top of my head when I was uh, typing these notes out for this podcast was Jim Jones. At one point, Jim Jones had, and you can Google Jim Jones and, and, and read about him and his following. But at one point, he had over 3,000 followers. And he convinced them that they had to commit suicide. And his followers had dropped down to about 900 at this point. But, but even with 900 followers, he convinced those 900 followers that they had to die. They had to commit suicide. <clears throat> and they all drank the poisonous drink and they died. And then uh, back, I believe it was in the 90s, uh, there was a guy named David Koresh who... Um, had a following in Waco, Texas, and he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be Jesus. He had multiple wives, multi, you know, just tons of kids, and he's living in this compound in Waco, Texas, and he, and he's teaching these people, and they're just eating it up, and 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 you know, they they fell for this guy, and he had a he had a, around two thousand followers, and they all ended up in a clash with the government, and uh, I, and I remember seeing it on the on, on live TV, you know, and and. The, the government come in and, and was going to destroy the compound. It catches on fire, and all these people die. They're, they're burned alive in, in this compound. Uh, and, and we say, well, I would never fall for anything like that, but be careful. That's why Jesus put this in here. Beware of false prophets and false teachers because, hey, they in 2020, they still exist. As a matter of fact, it's easier to fall for one of these false prophets and, the, and these false teachers today than it ever has been. And these false prophets and these false teachers, they have church buildings and, and they have followings that are just um, just unfathomable. People are giving their money to these, these false prophets and these false teachers and, and they're going to their church services and, and they're going to, to your house and they're going door to door and, they're, and they're, they're, they're coming to your meetings and they're, and they're giving out pamphlets, they're giving out cards and they're and they're giving out all this this um, information, if you will, that, that it, it just sounds good and it has just enough truth. And they've got the TV commercials about, and they throw just enough Jesus in there. They say, "Oh, this is this sounds really good. This is what I need. This is going to give me hope." And and so the next thing you know, you've been duped, and you're following the scam. You've been scammed. But once you're in, they've got you, and it's hard to get out so my advice to you is be careful be careful and again be a student of the word know your bible people it is so important to know what the word of god says remember this 
The devil can appear, and this is what Paul says. Or it may have been Peter. I can't remember exactly where it was found now. But the Bible says that the devil can appear as an angel of light, and he is the master deceiver. I mean, you go back to the garden. Adam and Eve had it made. They had perfect communion with God. Everything was perfect until the deceiver came in the form of a serpent, and he deceives Eve, and he deceived Adam, and they both ate of that fruit that God said, do not eat of that fruit. Why did they do that? It was because the devil come along, and he deceived them by, make, by tricking them. He, he got their attention on that fruit, and he says, you know what? God's been holding back on you. He didn't want to say, hey, you've got perfect communion with God. He, he didn't do that. He said, God is holding out on you because if you would eat that fruit, you would be like God. You would know both good and evil. And Eve says, hey, I want to be like God. Well, she already had perfect communion with God. But she wanted to be like God. She had been deceived and she ate the fruit and she gave it to Adam, who had to have been right there beside her and listening to what the serpent was saying. And he ate of the fruit as well. And then sin entered in and the rest is history. And we all suffer uh, from the consequences from sin. That's why we need a Savior. But my point is, it is so easy to be deceived because by these false prophets, by these false teachers, there's just enough truth. Their websites look so good. Their churches look so good, and their teachings sound so good. But once you start breaking it down, you'll start hearing, and you start listening with intent. You, you hear stuff. You see stuff that does not line up with the Word of God. If someone, even your pastor, your favorite preacher, says something that does not line up with the Word of God, confront him about it. I've done it many times. And if he doesn't change his stance... Get out. Go find another preacher to listen to, to sit under, to be taught under. But there again, to know what, if you want to know what he is saying doesn't line up with the Word of God, you have to know the Word of God for yourself. And this is why so many people are deceived because they don't know God's Word. They're not in it. They're not reading it on a daily basis. They're not studying it for themselves. They just take some preacher's word from the pulpit, well, he's a preacher, he's a man of God, and he's in the pulpit, therefore what he's saying has to be true. No, it doesn't. You could be being deceived and you don't even know it because you're not studying the Word of God for yourselves. That's why Paul says, I believe it's in Galatians chapter 1, he says, if an angel comes down from heaven and preaches another gospel, let him be anathema, let him be accursed. Get him out of your sight get away from an angel and he even and this is how the bible emphasizes stuff they would repeat it they didn't have punctuation marks like we have today man put that in many years uh, not too too far uh, too long ago but they would repeat it and paul says it again if 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 an angel comes down from heaven and preaches another gospel besides the one you've heard about jesus and his death burial and resurrection let him be accursed Get away from him. Don't listen to him. But that's what we do. That's why Jesus is saying, beware of these false prophets. Beware of these false teachers. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Listen to my teaching. And if it doesn't line up with what they're saying, get away. Run. Flee. 
But that means we have to know what Jesus taught. We have to be in the Word of God. And this brings me to another point that Jesus made that goes along with what he had just said. And we find this in, in verses 21 through 23 when he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. This, this, this passage right here used to scare me to death because of what Jesus says. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we perform many miracles in your name. But Jesus says, I, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Man, that passage used to scare the crap out of me. And, 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 and let me break it down for you like this. Let me explain this passage to you like this. The context of this passage is, is, is about not being deceived by false prophets and being led astray by their false teachings. Here Jesus tells us that there will be and there are even today people who thought they were doing what is right. They, they were doing all this stuff that seemed godly. They were prophesying. They were casting out demons. They were performing miracles in the name of Jesus. And they even called Jesus Lord, but the problem was, since they were following false prophets, they were being deceived. They had the wrong leader. They should have been following Jesus and listening to Jesus' teachings and, and, and uh, obeying Jesus' teachings, but they had the wrong leader. They were following the wrong person. Jesus says in John 10 that he is the good shepherd and his sheep know his voice and they follow him. The people that Jesus are referring to here in this passage, they, they did all the right things. They did it all in the right name. They did it in the name of Jesus. But they didn't have a relationship with the right person. They did not know Jesus. That's why Jesus says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It, it, it literally reminds me of the people who are trying to cast out demons in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 20. And those demons ended up, or uh, the guy who was uh, filled with the demons jumped on these, these men. I think there's seven of them. And, and this one man with the power of the demons just beat these guys up and run them off and sent them off naked. He whooped them. And here's what, here, here's what uh, Luke writes about them in Acts 19, 11 through 20. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. So these, these, these seven sons of Sceva, they saw this. They heard Paul's teachings and they wanted to try it out for themselves. So they're going from place to place and they're trying it out. It says in verse 13, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits and they, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. So they're trying to cast out this demon in the name of Jesus, but the problem is they didn't know Jesus for themselves and so they're trying to borrow Jesus from Paul. They've heard, him, they've heard Paul teach about Jesus. They've seen Paul do these miracles 
And so they, they didn't know Jesus for themselves. They didn't have a relationship for uh, uh, with Jesus for themselves. And so they're using the Jesus that Paul preaches about. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. So Luke calls them out by name or who they are. But one time they, they tried it and the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man with, with the evil spirit leaped on them and overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. And the story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. And a solemn fear descended on the city. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many, many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. That's New Living Translation. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful uh, effect. But the guys that are going around casting out demons were the sons of a leading priest. The sons of Sceva. So this guy's name was Sceva. He was a leading priest and he has seven sons. And, and this would tell me that they knew something about God. They had a lot of head knowledge. More than likely, since they're in, uh, from a lineage in the priesthood, they're probably studying and learning to be priests for themselves, which meant that they would be serving in the temple, which was still standing at the time. And they would be making sacrifices on behalf of the Jewish people. They would know the law, right? Because they're, they're, they're from this lineage of, of, of priests. So they would know the law and they would have a lot of head knowledge when it comes to God. But evidently, this also tells me that they were curious about what they had heard from Paul about Jesus. They're curious about what they have seen, these miracles that they have seen Paul do. They're curious about this Jesus and this stuff that they have heard and seen. And so they go out and they try it for themselves. But the problem was they tried casting out the demon. They, they tried casting this demon out in the name of Jesus. But as I said, they didn't have a relationship with Jesus for themselves. They're, they're borrowing Jesus from Paul's teachings. They had heard about him. They had, they, they had seen and heard the miracles that Paul had done. And so they said, hey, I'm, demon, I'm casting you out in, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about. But it doesn't work that way. And the demon, uh, or this guy who was filled with this demon, whipped all seven of them and stripped them of their clothes and, and embarrassed them. And ran. they had to run away naked. So it doesn't work that way. And they found that out the hard way. They were embarrassed. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. These, these seven sons of Sceva needed that relationship themselves with Jesus. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit for themselves so that they can have the power of God working through them and not having to borrow it from Paul. See, Jesus says, y'all might have done all these, th these great things in my name, but I never knew you. We didn't have a relationship. You never called on my name for salvation. You, you, was, you were never baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. You weren't obedient to my teachings. You were never filled with the Holy Spirit. And even though you had this great resume, you're not welcomed in the kingdom of God because you were not washed in the blood of my sacrifice. I am the sacrificial lamb. 
And you never accepted what I did for you. You followed a different leader. You listened to their teachings. You were deceived. You were scammed because you did not know my word. And that's why Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with this idea of being wise and not foolish about listening to his teachings and about being obedient to his teaching. When he says this at the end of Matthew chapter 7, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, if you listen to my teaching and you're obedient to it, you are wise. You're like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. It's built on an immovable stone. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods came or come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. I want to end with this. In both of these scenarios that Jesus gave, uh, that Jesus gave the, the, these foundations, uh, the strong winds came. These houses were built on these two different foundations, right? The, the rock and the sand. The, the strong winds came. The storms came. The rain fell hard and violently beat upon the house for a period of time. The floodwaters rose and the foundation of that house, both houses, was tested. Both houses were very well built. They were very well constructed. But the problem was one was built on a solid foundation and one was built on a rock. One was built on sand. The one that was built on sand could not stand the violent storm that came against it. And that sand, even though the house was solid, the house could stand the rain. The house could stand the wind. The house could stand the, the floodwaters that were rising. But the foundation that was under it, that the house was built on, was built, it was sand. And when the rain came and the floodwaters started to rise and the wind was shifting that floodwater around, the sand began to shift with the water because the water was penetrating the sand. And the sand that seemed to be solid was no longer solid. It became milky. And it began to shift with the water and the wind. And, and as it began to shift, it began to become weak. And as it became weak, it began to collapse. And no matter how strong, no matter how well built the house was, the sand, the foundation underneath it, collapsed. It could not stand the pressure of the storm. And when the foundation collapsed, the house collapses with it. False prophets, false teachings sound good, but their foundation is sand. The only foundation that will stand the test of time, that will stand against the weather, that will stand through the storms is Jesus and his teachings. He is the rock. He is that immovable stone, the Petra, 
as Peter proclaimed in Matthew chapter 16 when he said, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one, Jesus. You are the Son of the living God. And so my question to you is how is your foundation? What have you built your house upon? What matters is the Word of God, the teachings of Jesus. Your foundation is only as strong as how much you are in the Word of God. Your foundation depends upon your relationship with Jesus. Everything else is sinking sand. We have to be in the Word of God. This is how God speaks to us. This is how we get to know Jesus. And God uses, through the power of His Holy Spirit, the Word of God. And if we're not in the Word of God, guess what? We're going to be scammed. We're going to be easily duped by these scammers, by these false prophets, by these false teachers. And we're going to be hooked. And it's going to be hard to get out of. How strong is your foundation? God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.